Welcome to another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. I am your host, Bob Ambrogi. I write my own blog, Lost Sites, and also have a podcast called Law Next. This program is presented by LexBlog, which provides lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting. Been doing that for 16 years. Check them out at lexblog.com slash products. We have a, a bunch uh, of episodes we've been doing in this uh, this week in legal blogging series. You can find them all at, online at YouTube at youtube.com slash lexblog. We also put it out as a podcast and you can listen to those on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Today, I'm very honored to have with us uh, Gerald Matman, partner at Cypharth, uh, and uh, uh, labor in their labor and inter- labor and employment <laughs> department. There, uh, Law 360 ranked him as one of the top four employment lawyers in the United States. Uh, he's uh, author of the Workplace Class Action blog, also editor in chief of the Workplace Class Action Litigation Report, which has been published every year since 2003. Uh, Jerry Mattman, welcome to our program. Well, thanks so much. So excited to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to to have a dialogue with you today. Yeah, it's great to great to see you and. Uh, I am. Uh, I, I I was gonna I was gonna ask which you know the chicken or egg question which came first the blog or the litigation report but it, I mean I see that you've been doing this litigation report since two thousand and three did did that somehow lead to the blog? They actually uh, came together at the same time. Uh, did they? Figured a, a way to distinguish that blog would be as a platform to launch the book, and uh, they have uh, intertwined very nicely, but the blog itself independently has grown, stand on its own, and has become quite a vehicle for our lawyers to uh, present their thought leadership to the market. So it, it's taken on a life of its own, uh, but anyone who wanted all 17 issues of the class action report could find them on a drop-down bar on the uh, blog. Yeah, blogs do have a way of taking on lives of their own. Uh, but before we talk more about your blog, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice and what you do? Sure. I uh, defend employers typically in class actions, very uh, uh, bet the company-like cases from coast to coast. At any one time, probably 50% of my work is in California and the rest smattered all over the country. I'm a partner in both our New York office and our Chicago office. I'm also a professor of law at Northwestern. I teach trial practice, been doing that about 25 years. And I have a passion for writing and speaking and simply just communicating with people. And so uh, I spend a good chunk of my time thinking about issues in the law, issues in the cases that either I'm confronting or the clients are confronting and uh, trying to blog about it and uh, share some of those thoughts with others. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about the uh, the workplace class action litigation report, which you described as, as a book. I mean, it really is. It's it's what is it? Eight hundred and fifty pages this year's That's, edition of it. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. We kind of uh, live and breathe it 24 uh, seven every morning. Uh, we review every uh, lawsuit filed in the United States that has uh, class implications and every ruling either in a federal or state court, we check it again at noon and then in the evening. And we have a team 
team with responsibility for different areas of the country and different subjects. We create an analysis of each ruling, each class action settlement. We put it in a database and begin to run trends and try to identify those trends. We start on January 1 and we end on December 31st. As you mentioned this year, there were, I think, 1,543 rulings that were analyzed and digested. We've got about uh, 20,700 rulings since we started in 2003. And so uh, just as the class action litigation machine has grown, so has that database. Uh, it has grown also and it's allowed us to spot those trends and try and get ahead of issues for our clients. Yeah. And, and how big of a team are we talking about? How many people work with you? We're talking about 20 people. I think all together we track the hours and uh, prepare the report took about 6,000 hours worth of time. We have a project manager. It's completely digitized. Uh, but I go through every single case and every single issue. Uh, I probably put in about 300, 400 hours myself in doing it. Uh, but it, I think it makes me a better lawyer, a better communicator in terms of understanding what's going on in the courthouse and being able to tap into those uh, uh, those cases and use them in my own practice. Yeah, and it must be it must be interesting that the 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 report must provide a lot of fodder for the blog and and stuff to write about on the blog. Absolutely, I, we don't have a hard and fast rule, but by uh, basically I. My theory behind the blog is if I were a reader, what would I find interesting? And that controls how often we blog. There might be three posts in a day or there might be one in a three-day period. It simply depends on what's going on in the uh, world of the law. And uh, I've always thought that a great rule of thumb is can I read this and in one minute understand what the issue is and be more educated as a result of interacting with that blog and learn something from it? And so that's we try to be a short, sweet to the point and engage people in terms of that sort of uh, level of uh, analysis. Yeah. How did uh, 2020 uh, impact what you're writing about on the blog? I mean, what were some of the trends that came about purely as a result of the pandemic and, and COVID-19? Sure. Well, uh, I think it was around February, March that all of a sudden this new thing called COVID was around, somewhat scary, somewhat temporary, oh, this will go away. And that mm -hmm. began to drive uh, topics for blogs. And then uh, just uh, feeling the angst and the voices of uh, clients about trying to deal with workplace issues, leave issues, benefit issues, avoiding discrimination issues. Uh, uh, we could have blogged every minute if we wanted to in terms of what people were dealing with. I tell people we started out creating a spreadsheet with the very first law passed in response to COVID. That spreadsheet's now 675 pages long in terms of every county ordinance, every law, every regulation passed by uh, counties, cities, states, federal government to try and deal with the pandemic. So at least if you were a lawyer dealing with workplace issues, 2020 was about the busiest uh, year on record that I can remember. 
Well, and what about in terms of class actions? Were there were there class actions that arose out of well, uh, COVID? There were uh, very interesting ones in terms of employment related issues. You laid off a group of workers and you took uh, illegal criteria into account when you did it or you didn't follow the WARN Act and give me notice before you closed down this plant, or you were supposed to provide leave of absence benefits, but you didn't. Uh, so there were kind of traditional, you didn't follow the law uh, sort of class actions. And then we began to see class actions of our health and safety. You asked me to come back, you didn't sanitize the workplace, you didn't uh, order social distancing, you created conditions that caused workers to uh, catch the um, uh, the bug and or caused injury or death to their family members. And so there were uh, huge ramifications in the class action world from COVID. And the thing is that um, we're on the start of the bell jar curve. The uh, intake at a plaintiff's attorney's office is just kind of starting, and those there are many lawsuits that will be filed in 2021 over what occurred in 2020. So we're just starting to see the start of that kind of rise in the hill of those sorts of cases. Yeah. So back when you started the report and the blog, 2003. What, why did you do it? What, what, why were, what, what motivated you to, to start blogging? What, how did you get the blogging bug, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, great question. Uh, I became a lawyer in 1981. And so I practiced law in the era when there was no such thing as the Internet. And I remember uh, it was in the early 90s. Gee, I don't remember a that. Call from a <laughs> colleague saying, Jerry, I sent you an email about a month ago and you never responded. To which I said, well, what's an email? And he said, well, do you have a computer? I said, I've got it there, but I've never really turned it on. And he said, well, you should, because actually in there you can get mail. And I remember opening it and it took a while to respond. And then I shut it off and said, well, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. And long story short. Uh, and check the fax machine. <laughs> right. If you were an important lawyer, you had to send something uh, by fax or by overnight mail. And that was quick. And uh, what I learned in terms of servicing clients is the speed of law went from the dark ages to warp speed in terms of having to be responsive, having to deal with things. And so I was trying to figure out how can I be the best lawyer I can be in terms of being able to solve a problem for a client. And that involved leveraging technology, using technology, and then actually trying to figure out answers to problems and questions before somebody even asked. And that's where the blog idea came up with about, I'm gonna talk about things that haven't happened to a particular company, but what might happen and what occurs in court and what are solutions to avoid this or if you get caught in it uh, to deal with it. And so the blog came about in terms of what I would call preventive lawyering or preventive dentistry Mm -hmm. um, read this, account for it, and you can avoid it. And so uh, it kind of started there and then uh, dovetailed with the class action report and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that now, you know, blogging, going on Twitter, LinkedIn, posting things is just a, like breathing air. It's a natural part of the day. Yeah. Did you see that as a, as a business development vehicle or simply a, a public service or a client service? 
It started out as a client service business development, but it's come to represent something more. For, for me, it's how do you uh, connect to people? How do you engage with them in a way and create new friendships, new relationships, learn from them? I, to me, blogging and reading blogs is about learning and creating a, a better awareness. And so I really like it when, for, for instance, somebody at the EEOC who is a governmental regulator uh, is a subscriber to the blog and then in a case says, Jerry, I read your blog on XYZ and this is what I thought of. And so you hear that from law professors that are on it, law students, uh, adversaries, plaintiffs, lawyers, other defense lawyers, and it creates a community of interests where I think everyone benefits. Everyone is in this kind of sea together and everybody uh, uh, is able to understand what's going on and everybody uh, profits from it. So that building uh, expertise, building your brand, uh, teaching and mentoring um, all, are all reasons. And, you know, people said to me when I first did it, well, you're wasting your time. Well, I, I, I can't even remember I started losing track of the number of assignments I got from clients who read a blog and said, I need a solution in that area. Can I hire you to handle it, including some big seven figure cases? So to me, uh, if you're not blogging or haven't figured out how to blog, you're kind of behind the curve in these times. So you've been able to really it's enabled you to engage with professionals across your your area of, of specialty uh, and. And got some business out of it, too, possibly. Absolutely. I get emails every day from people who will read a posting that said this sparked an idea. What do you think about this? Or I'd like you to read something that I've done. And it, like I talked about that community of interest and it's widened my uh, bandwidth in terms of things I think about and people I can tap into and get help from and hopefully help them. So yeah. it's, I definitely view it as a win win proposition. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I'm old enough to know that if you started a blog back in 2003, 2004, around there, there weren't a lot of people who even knew what blogs were at that sure. point. <laughs> so sure. how did you develop a readership? How did you build it up and get people to notice it and, and begin to pay attention to it? I think uh, it was like building a wall one brick at a time. And it was a very precious thing to get a new subscriber to the blog. And I think it was word of mouth. Uh, or uh, a, a newspaper reporter or another blogger or someone who was online who quoted the, the piece or quoted me. And then by hook or crook, it kind of built like that wall brick by brick such that it gained some momentum and then started gaining followers. And all of a sudden they hit the 1,000, the 2,000, the 10,000 level uh, in terms of people who followed or people who read it. And so um, that was big. It was big when it was cited in some Supreme Court briefs and people took up and uh, uh, took some notice about uh, here's actually some ideas in a blog post being cited to the Supreme Court on cases. So I've had uh, lawyers contact me about, can I get the screenshot? Can you help me on this? Because we want to cite it in our brief. And you know, that was very cool for me. That was very self-satisfying in terms of uh, uh, getting on the horizon, so to speak, with people noticing. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it, there are those who say that that blogs have uh, replaced the law review uh, as as sort of uh, an area of scholarship. Uh, so. And uh, so. and uh, I remember, I think I you know you can remember back when people first started citing them in Supreme Court briefs or other briefs uh, along the line. That's quite an honor that that happened with you. I, I would also add this. When I first started in 2003, a blog would be read on one's desktop computer. Mm-hmm. And now I uh, would think 75% of the time people are reading what is on that blog on their phone. Mm-hmm. Being able to convert to that era of people looking on their smartphone, how you create the blog, the image, the pull downs, uh, the links. Uh, there's a bit of an art to how to engage with a reader who gets their news and uh, uses their smartphone as a lifeline to the outside world. Yeah. So so what is how does that inform how you create a blog post? Does that change how you uh, structure it visually or in terms of the content? Title is very important. Uh, I need to be able to look at the title and understand what this is about as to whether or not I should spend the time to read it. Uh, The image is important. It can't be dry. It needs to be eye-catching. And in that first three sentences, it needs to be written with care crafted carefully so that it engages the reader and enables them to say, this is worth my time and effort to read this post. Because uh, as a, uh, a consumer, so to speak, of what's out there in the news world, they have lots of choices. And how can I write my blog in a way that makes them think this is a place I should come all the time and read because it's worth my time and effort? Yeah. You're not the only author of this blog. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many others there are who write for it, but how do you coordinate and work together in coming up with stories and deciding who's going to write what? Uh, Well, uh, I believe a big portion of my job description is training and mentoring and trying to help uh, younger lawyers get to the next level. And I explain my life story and how I got to where I am and how important blogging and communicating with clients was. And so I uh, give them the opportunity. I give them the option. I could co-author with you. I will be behind you and uh, help you structure it. Uh, I'll do anything I can and never say no to the opportunity for you to blog. So I kind of create the conditions for them to be able to accept the invitation to get involved. And People can't always do it. They have priorities. They may be busy. But over time, I would think we've had at least 50 to 75 different attorneys per year contributing materials where they are blog authors. Yeah. And I think once they get hooked, they realize the value of it, the power of it, and then they want to do it more often. Yeah, it, it can be addictive. What about just your how you work this into your own schedule? I mean, you're a partner at a major law firm with a, a significant uh, litigation practice. Uh, how do you balance everything you have to do? Um, well, it's you make time for what is important and you create uh, methods to be efficient. Uh, I would say when I wrote a blog in 2003, it took a lot longer than when I write a blog in 2021. So I've learned to do it, have a method for it and try not to waste time because time is our most precious commodity. And so um, I I wouldn't say every blog is the same or there's a template, but but I have an approach to the issue 
But I think the defining issue is not me, it's the reader and what the reader thinks would be important and how this will benefit the reader. And I work backwards from that premise in terms of trying to be very efficient in supplying that information. But I wake up in the morning and I don't know if I'm going to blog. It depends on what the topic is and what occurs. And there are so many developments ongoing that I try to pick and choose what ought to be important or what should be something that uh, an employer can benefit from knowing about. Yeah. Were you uh, a writer before you started this blog? I know you do other writing now. Were, were you a writer of some sort before you started? I, I was not. I, I have often authored uh, seven books and I enjoy it, uh, apart from writing the class action litigation report every year. Uh, my sister's a law professor. She teaches legal writing. Both my parents, uh, my father was a professor. My mom was a teacher. So I came from a family where oral and written communication was uh, very important. Uh, I'd say I'm probably by far the weakest link in the family when it comes to doing that. <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, but I have a passion for it and enjoy it. And I think that uh, by virtue of all the time I've invested in blogging, I believe I've improved my writing and improved my capacity to engage with clients and in the courtroom with judges and with plans attorneys and arguments. I think that uh, cutting to the chase, uh, saying the most you can with the fewest number of words, I, I often think of the Gettysburg Address. Edward Everett spoke for two hours uh, about the meaning of war, and then Abraham Lincoln got up and used 272 words, and everybody remembers those words, but not Edward Everett. So we short. Should say that, we should say you are also a Civil War buff, and you're writing. You said you're writing a book uh, yes. about the Civil War as well, uh, yeah. on top of everything else you do. Yeah. Um, what so? What have you learned uh, over the years about writing blog posts? How, what do you? How? What do you think makes for a good uh, blog post? Uh, I think a good blog post is when someone uh, comes away learning something. So fluff. I'd, it's just not worth it. Negativity is not worth it. Accent the positive and talk about things that make a business better or a decision maker better by virtue of learning and reading your blog. So it's got to be practical and it's got to be useful. To me, those are the number one things that engage readers and that uh, pays dividends in terms of investing time in blogging. Yeah. Uh, lots of legalese and footnotes. Do you recommend that? None of it. I never <laughs> use it. Just testing it. That's all. No. Just testing it. <laughs> um, what about, uh, you know, are you, are you thinking of, you talked about the fact earlier that you have readers from who are lawyers, who are working at the EEOC, who are at, at clients, who are you thinking about as sort of your model reader as you're as you're writing your blogs? Are you mostly directing this toward non-lawyers working at companies or 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 what? I'm trying to uh, be uh, a blog that a non-lawyer can understand, and a, a lawyer that specializes in employment law can appreciate. And that's a fine line to be able to write it in a manner that resonates with both. So I use it as a teaching tool or follow a teaching method that as a result of reading the blog, 
I've learned something I didn't know before I started, and I've been told by readers that's why they come back. And that's the value of it um, because they can put it to practical use in either their business or regulating employers if they're in the government or a law student or a law professor learning these concepts or uh, the HR manager or the in-house lawyer saying that uh, this answered a question, I don't need to go research it now. So Jerry, if a, if a younger lawyer were to come up to you and say that they were pondering starting a blog and wondering whether it's worth it, and if so, how to make it successful, what kind of advice would you give them? I would tell them that um, what you're about to embark on is not a 100-yard dash, it's a marathon. And you have to be committed for the long-term view, and you can't measure your success on a per-blog basis. You have to measure it over time in terms of engaging uh, an audience and building that audience, and that uh, you start small and just keep doing it and stay at it, and there will be value in that. So that'd be number one. I'd say number two would be you're going to become a better lawyer on account of it, both in the way you communicate and in the way you solve problems for people and you confront problems and craft solutions. So I'm a big believer in it. I think it's a, a, something that would help anyone uh, who's interested in being in the client service business and solving problems. So I, I'm quite a fan and cheerleader of uh someone who wants to engage in blogging. Jerry, we got uh, all of a minute or so left here. Any any last words before we wrap up? Well, I'm excited to see what the future of blogging is as technology has become more um, uh, enhanced. Certainly, we see lots of video blogs now, and I do that and go online and do it. Uh, the written word, the combination of the two, uh, we call it vlogging at times. So there's so many things that can be done and that are out there, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Cypher started, I was the first blog. I think we must have uh, 40 of them by now based on different specialties and hundreds of lawyers doing it. So it's very, very uh, satisfying to look back over the history of time, so to speak, and being involved in that and see from a very little acorn, what sort of oak tree kind of grew out of it. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. It's been a great privilege to be here. Yeah. And again, we've been speaking with Jerry Orman of the Workplace Class Action blog, which you can find at workplaceclassaction.com. On behalf of everybody at LexBlog, this is Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging. 